Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Luke Minjabber, welcome to the Center of the Universe, man. I appreciate you coming out tonight. Thanks for having me, Paul. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. All right, so you are New York born, spent a little bit of time in Carolina, but you've spent your, what I would say your formative years and your adult life in Richmond. That's correct. What are you up to these days? Um, these days, I have my own player development business um, called Basketball and Life Lessons. So it's an opportunity to teach the game of basketball and the game of life um, to youth and adults. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, I'm also the director of camp operations for the Maverick Agency. And with the Maverick Agency, we do um, military activations, um, basketball camps, football camps, um, all sports, um, just across the continental U.S. And when you say activations, tell me more about what that um, means. So we, we do free um, basketball camps, um, one day, full day, um, where the kids come in and they kind of earn their stripes. Um, even though it's free, the um, instruction, uh, I believe, is top of the line. Um, having the armed services on site um, adds a different element to it. And um, it really moves um, the day, and, and I think it moves the kids as well. It, it's a full day. So, so walk me through what a – and these are teenagers primarily? Teenagers between 14 and 19. Okay. So what are they experiencing in that day? So before they even get their T-shirt, they have to do the chin-up challenge. Um, and once they complete the chin-up challenge – and we give awards and stuff like that. So whoever does the most at the end, right. uh, we recognize them um, just for coming in ready to go. Um, so after they get their T-shirts, um, they go to a dy- dynamic warm-up or um, the ACFT, um, and they work them out pretty good for about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, after that initial workout, um, we you know talk to them about leadership um, and accountability and different things like that, and then we get into the camp day. Um, the rotations throughout the camp day are usually about 30 minutes. So they're in stations for about 30 minutes. And then we regroup together and we have another conversation. So throughout the day, typically it's basketball and then it's, you know, life lessons, essentially. And, and uh, you, the acronym, and I know it's Maverick Agency, but the acronym for the other thing that you, you do spell, uh, spells ball. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so all ball. Yeah, I didn't want to miss that. Yeah, absolutely. So with all ball, um, I've been doing it um, pretty much full time since 2014. Um, I had done it part time prior to that. Um, But from 2008 to probably 2014, I was coaching at Virginia Union. And of course, you know, it's only so much you can do um, as far as development and training of kids at a certain age um, because of NCAA right. um, rules and regulations. But once I finished coaching and my contract wasn't renewed, um, I decided to devote you know, my time to something I had built many years before. So while I was overseas um, in Saudi Arabia playing, I was developing my business plan mm-hmm. for what I wanted to do um, kind of post-basketball career. And it just so happened the last time I came home 
my wife and I decide to have more children. <laughs> <laughs> we had already had three. Um, and at that moment, I kind of made a decision to stay. And um, I went into coaching right away, uh, became an assistant coach at Virginia Union. Um, and I was kind of not finished playing, but at the same time, um, it's kind of the sacrifices you make as a father, um, as a friend, as a husband, different things like that. So I actually, going into my third year as the assistant coach, I got a job offer to go to Morocco. Mm. So I stepped away that year. And if snail mail was a thing with contracts, I, I could have swore they snail mailed it um, because the contract never came. So um, I took that year and I just started doing player development. In the meantime, I was doing some. Um, so, you, so you never went to Morocco that time? I never went to Morocco. I really, really wanted to go. They just took so long. It was like three months later, contract came. I'm like. Yeah, it's too slow. Dude, I'm <laughs> I'm doing something else. Yeah, I'm right moving now. on. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of just let that go and really started. Okay, now uh, I think I ended up at U-Turn. Um, um, so. Over Cap there off Staples Mill. Right. That area. So yeah. Capital City Ballers is an AAU organization, again, um, central to the idea of impacting to the, the youth, not just basketball. And uh, my good friend Tyreek Wallace, who is a um, standout player at um, University of Arkansas, He's also he also came out of the George with mm. um, cloth and played for uh, Coach Robert Booker. And, you know, him and I and his sister started the Capital City Ballers, and we were over at U-Turn, we were training, we had teams um, that were playing and competing and stuff like that. So that's kind of the space I was in. And then that March, April, I got a call about you know interviewing for the head coaching job at Virginia Union. Which is a big deal because... Robbins had retired, and I don't remember who followed Robbins, but uh, but they were talking to you right after that, right? Yeah. So Coker, um, who's you know was the assistant coach for Coach Robbins for you know thirty years, um, was my you know assistant coach when I played under Robbins as well. So it was kind of like, and I started with Coach Coker. So when I was an assistant, he was the head coach. So when I got the opportunity to interview, I was like, you know, kind of conflicted because like, you know, this is my guy. Not only did he coach me, but we were working together. And, you know, it was a point where they didn't want to renew his contract. Um, so I sent him for the interview and they offered me the job and I took the position, um, not only for, you know, I didn't take it for the hype, you know, but I really wanted to learn what it was about to kind of sit in that seat. It's a big job in the city it, of Richmond. It's, it's a big job. And, you know, the CIAA is a really, really tough conference. And, you know, you walk into Virginia Union and you just see banners. So the expectation is set, you know, pretty much before you, you know, compete on game day. Um, so first year started out, I thought, pretty good. Um, bringing in my own guys and different things like that, trying to figure out my coaching style. And um, I still had a lot of 
like playing tendencies in me. So um, I don't think I was 100% like just looking at the game through a coach's lens from the sideline. You know, as a player, they always said I was coach on the floor. But as a coach on the sideline, it's only so much you can do. Um, and I think we finished that year 15 and 14. Uh, Winston-Salem State beat us twice that year, one in the regular season. I won't blame the officials, but we had a five-second call in their place, and the guy was at least 10 feet off my guy. Mm. And we had to play, you know, to win the game. So, um, And then in the tournament, we end up losing by one as well to them to kind of move forward to that next round. Um, so it was a really good year for a first-year coach at 30 years old. Yeah, you I were guess. young. And you, I mean, you'd <laughs> done some assistant coaching at Union, but yeah. you'd never been a head coach. Yeah. Um, um, so we get into the second year, and my best player from the first year is ineligible. Um, so we kind of start off with adversity, and we just kind of push through. We kind of like survive uh, the year. And then we get to the tournament, and uh, we're playing Johnson C. Smith in Charlotte um, at the Hornets Arena. And we have my best player is a freshman now. He redshirted. He's a freshman now. Uh, Ray, he's, he's, your Ray he's, he's your guy. Anderson. He's your guy, right? He's my guy. His first game out against Morehouse, he has 31. Mm. Um, so we're in the tournament. We're in this back and forth. And we're coming down the stretch, maybe 12 seconds left. They score. He comes down, he gets the lane on left side, goes up, hits the shot off the backboard, guy slides under him, they call an offensive foul. So not only did they call an offensive foul, he fouled out on that play, mm. and he dislocated his finger. Mm. So we go into overtime, and we end up losing you know, a close one in overtime. So it was you know, a bitter into something that I think we had started to gel together as a group and for it to end like that was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Um, and then the last year was just, uh, it was a mess. <laughs> so, But you learned some things in that I third mean, year. I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Um, and really just connecting with people. Um, I think now I would say to coaches that you have to coach the person to get the player to, you know, operate at its maximum capacity. And they're all different. And they're all different. And and I found myself coaching players to do things that players should do um, and not the person. And I think that has helped me in my business and the way I connect with individuals because I get kids from all different backgrounds that have all different types of stories that, you know, things are not going great at home. Things are going great at home. I'm having a rough game, you know, I'm in a slump. So I deal with all types of personalities and just trying to reach the person allows me to reach the player, you know, so. And it can be magical once you've made that connection. Absolutely. So I've seen, I've seen some magic. Yeah, that's definitely. cool. All right. What is it about basketball that, that is like dominated your life? I mean, you've been a part of it since you were a little guy, right? Yeah. So, um, as a youth, I played soccer, played baseball, played football. Um, and I grew up with 
at the time, it was seven boys, six boys. I know it was it was a lot of us, <laughs> so it was always competitive. Um, it didn't matter if we were uh, Nerf guns or trying to hit a spot on a tree. It was competition all the time. Competition, competition, competition. Um, I think basketball for me wasn't a size thing. Mm. You know, it was about energy and effort, and then playing smart. You know, you can hand somebody off hand somebody the ball and they could just just run hard you know where speed isn't necessarily a winner in basketball you know size isn't that doesn't guarantee you to win in basketball um you know so i was more of a student and i think basketball kind of um, appealed to that part of me um, and once i really started working at it and saw how i continued to grow it's like whoa, I like this, you know, because it, it teaches you a lot. And I think some of the lessons I've learned at a young age helped me in the future. And it's crazy because um, some of my experiences have helped a lot of the kids that I've, I've worked with. So when I was in the fifth grade, maybe, I was playing um, rec basketball. This I was still in Charlotte. And my AAU coach, I told him we had we had tryouts. For AAU. Yeah, we had tryouts. This is trials. This is my second year with this program. I'm on the team. I'm the starting point guard. Coach, I have a game at twelve. I have to leave early. Okay. I got you. So when it came time for me to leave, I mean the trial was phenomenal. I mean, we were going back and forth. It was a lot of energy. So I said, hey, coach, I'm getting ready to go. I got to leave. And he huddled everybody together and put me on the spot. He's like, what's more important to you? It's fifth grade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, this team right here or you going to play some rec ball? And, um, you know, I ended up staying and missing the game, mm. you know. And it was weird, you know. I'm like in tears, like you making me choose between. Yeah, you're 10, 11 years old, right? You know, a tryout and an actual game. Like I got, I have guys on both sides. Right. Um, so I felt kind of cornered into making that decision to stay. Um, my guys, they end up winning the game anyway, which was kind of a relief for me. <laughs> that yeah, because you, you don't want to let them down. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I had a um, young lady that I'm working with um, a couple years ago. She comes to me and, you know, as soon as kids start getting good, man, they just start coming. You know, they just start poaching them from one team, trying to get them to another team. And it's unfortunate um, that that happens in the game. Like, you know, you're not – all you see is the product. You don't see the work that went into it. And she came to me and she said – what should I do? I'm like, I said, I'm loyal to a fault. So my my advice would be to stay where you're at. You know, those are the people that have already invested in you, have been a part of your growth, and are excited about the next step for you. These people only want you because you're good. They weren't calling last year or the year before to get you, but they're calling now. 
Um, so she ended up staying, and I think it was a really, really good decision for her to do that. Um, and, you know, you see teams, they're like, oh, we got this player, they got this offer. So now this team's fall, this person falls as alumni to their program because, you know, they played a tournament with them. Right. And it's, I mean, I just stay in my lane. Yeah. I don't coach a team. <laughs> I just work with the players and the parents to get the best out of them. Right. All right. So you, you became really good at basketball as you went through middle school and the high school. And then for your junior year, you end up leaving the United States of America. Yeah. So um, as a sixth grader in middle school, um, I beat out a lot of seventh and eighth graders, and I started all three years in middle school. Which is unusual. Yeah. yeah. So um, when I went to George with, it wasn't, you know, <laughs> by happenstance. Um, my older brother, um, Yusuf, was playing in a tournament at George with, and I was just on the sideline shooting around, playing one-on-one with some kid, and I was just <laughs> beating them to death. <laughs> Right. And people were watching. So Coach Booker, who was the head coach there, he I he you know, he walks all the way around the court and he comes over, he said, You coming to play for me at George Will? So at that time we had actually moved out of the district. You were in Huguenot's um, district. I was in Huguenot's district and um but I had already applied for a program at George Will um that my brother was in called the grad program. And, you know, it just, the grad program kind of just put you in position academically um, to pursue those higher college opportunities. Um, so, yeah, so that's how I ended up going to George with. And um, I didn't play JV. I played varsity as a freshman. Um, how big were you your freshman year? Size-wise? Yeah. <laughs> Probably about 5'8". <laughs> and about 140. <laughs> Very light. Yeah, little guy. Um, but Coach Booker saw enough in, in me to, you know, bring me up to varsity um, from the beginning of my career. Um, I didn't start early, um, but we had a starting point guard go down. So I started um, probably like five or six games and, and you know, played some, some really good minutes. And I just did what I did. I played hard. I played smart. And I ran the show. Um so I had a solid freshman year. Sophomore year was, of course, you want to improve. So I got a lot better. Um, I think I made, you know, the district team, one of the teams, first team or second team. I can't remember, but it was a solid showing. Which a lot of sophomores don't make. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so that summer, well, my freshman summer to my sophomore summer, I went to um, Point Guard College. Um, and my mom and coach put the money together for me to go. And I went to the one in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Mm. And Dick DeVincio, who's, you know, who's passed, but he was the creator of the Point Guard College, was actually the, the director of the camp. So mm. I had an opportunity to actually work with him directly. And um, it was really, really good for me to go to that. And I'm glad I went to that. Because, again, it's one of those experiences that affected me later on down the line. So at the end of the camp, he calls me up, and it's about 100 and so, you know, 125 kids there. And he's like, 
Lugman. So he likes to call he he liked Lugman. So when I told him my name, he was a little disappointed. <laughs> so um and he just he just tears me a new hole right there in front of everybody, you know, because that kind of that last game I was just doing more than I needed to do. Um so he kind of tears me a new hole and I'm like, whoa, like in front of everybody, like you could have pulled me to the side. And it was it was great. It was something I needed. It was a great lesson in just being truthful, you know, and forward. And and for me, it was taking that and growing from it. So I came back that 10th grade year with a different type of mindset and attitude and approach on how I wanted to lead and, and facilitate um, for my teammates. Um, at that time, I was playing AAU. We had Richmond Metro Gold. Mm. So we had a really, really great team. Not a lot of stars, but a great team. Um, Dominique Jones uh, was was one of my guys. Um, we had some guys from Collegiate. Um, I mean, no really big names. And we would beat people. Because you were a good team. We were a great team. And everybody knew their role. And we had a great coach. My coach was Will Rackley. Um, son came out of collegiate and played football at Brown. Um, so, and he was tough. So, it's kind of like all my coaches up to this point were tough. <laughs> and, you know, disciplinarians. Looking back you know, at it, it was good yeah, for him. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, so, we had a great summer. I can't remember exactly where we went for the Nationals, um, but we were always, you know, top 20 finishers um, in the national tournaments. Um, so that summer of my sophomore year, going into my junior year, um, my father my father had a program that he was, you know, taking some young men to Morocco um, to study uh, Quran and Arabic and kind of immerse yourself in the culture. So originally, he was taking my younger brother, Ibrahim, and at that point, when he said that, I felt something kind of tug at me. He's like, you know, I kind of want to, I want to go. And I told him why I wanted to go. And I ran from Coach Booker all summer <laughs> <laughs> until I couldn't run anymore. When did Coach Booker find out? Uh, it's probably a few weeks before I was leaving. <laughs> because at this time, we were already doing summer workouts and right. stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I stopped going to the workouts and different things like that. I'm like, how you tell your coach you're leaving for a year? Yeah, because you, you were setting off to have an amazing junior year, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, at that time, like being recruited, it wasn't in my mind. You know, what school I wanted to go to wasn't in my mind. None of those things mattered because I felt like the opportunity was bigger than anything those things could provide um, over my lifetime. And, you know, when we finally, when I finally talked to him, and I mean, he pretty much pleaded with me until I left um, to, you know, stay and reconsider. But at that time, you know, like, you know, recruitment now, you see it everywhere. We got a showcase here. We got a showcase there. Yeah, they're not even playing basketball. They're, they're not just even, showcasing. Yeah. It's not even basketball anymore. It's just, you know, showcasing. And, um, we didn't have that 
all those opportunities, um, the people to talk to directly about exactly what recruiting is and different things like that. So it's great. Some of it, I think, is a little oversaturated. The number of showcase events they have, because you have to think only 3.2% are right. going to go. So you're going to these showcases, you know, four and five a year, and you're still not being recruited. You have to look at something. You know, and normally you have to look in the mirror. Um, so Morocco, <laughs> we're in New York, and we're going to my uncle's house, I believe, before we go to the airport. We get in a car accident. Mm. So this car, this van <laughs> backs out into us. And, you know, you know, fortunately, nobody was hurt. Um, it didn't delay anything. So we go to, you know, we catch the flight. And Morocco is only like a five and a half, six hour flight from New York. So it's a pretty um, quick flight based on the other flights I've been on to Saudi and to Italy and different things like that. You know, Egypt, you know, it's 10, 12 hours. Right. You know, that's a long time to be in the air. So we land and we're in Casablanca and we are staying in a flat and it's like I said, my father took about 10 to 12 guys. So it's about 10 to 12 of us in this flat and we're kind of like all sleeping in like the living room. So nobody has a room. So we just kind of like bunched up for a month. And I was like, I told my dad, like, <laughs> I am ready to go home. I can't, this is not what I expected, you know. So we hadn't got set up yet. Um, so we went out to Mohammedia, which is on the outskirts of Casablanca and it's right on the water. And we went to visit the villa we were gonna stay in. So the villa was like three stories, all these rooms up and down. So it was really nice. So half of the group left to go back home. We, we, you know, couldn't handle it, whether they didn't pay or whatever. Half of them went home. The other half of us went to Mohammedia. When we got to Mohammedia, we got set up with the American Language Institute while we were studying Arabic. Uh, my father was teaching us Quran, and we had, you know, other teachers come in. And at that time, I was doing my studies as well, so I had a private tutor come in. And I believe the only class I was really studying was math. I didn't do any history, science, anything like that. So I was just really diving into my math. I was a really good math student. Um, so the work, I wouldn't say it was easy, but I could recognize what I needed to do. Um, and my teacher spoke, you know, he spoke English enough for me to understand him. But some of the concepts in math, he wasn't able to articulate to me. You need words to explain the numbers, yeah. <laughs> All right, so when I got back to math class, I'm like, what is my teacher talking about? <laughs> when I got back to the States, I'm sitting there like, and then she does the problem. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know this stuff. And I'm just jotting it down, and I'm just kind of like flowing through the math classes now. So we set, we're set up, and I go, my father takes me to um, a practice. So he finds a team for me in Mohammedia, uh, and I'm playing with them. And my and Ibrahim is also playing on the younger team there, and we're practicing outside, concrete. There are no indoor gyms. <laughs> they do have indoor gyms. 
Um, but our team specifically, we only had outdoor access. Um, so practicing with the guys, a couple of the guys spoke English and stuff like that. You're playing with Moroccans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they only allow one American on the team. So I'm playing with Moroccans. And the very first game we play, it's outside and it's raining. And they don't stop the game. It is pouring, right? <laughs> as long as there's no lightning, we're going to play. It's just like how they do football, right? Here and in the we're States. out there and we're they're passing the ball, and I'm catching, and I'm stopping. And you just see the guy sliding by you. <laughs> and it's like, we're really going to play this game. So we're playing the game and just pouring down rain. So, you know, as a kid, like, you know, those are things that my, brothers, stick with you. my brothers and I would do. You know, just like uh, the blizzard in 96. I mean, we're outside. We got three layers of clothes. We got these triple goose jackets on. We're outside you know dunking the ball and different things like that so it wasn't new to me i was just shocked that we were going to actually play a real game pouring rain that's a different form of basketball <laughs> so well, there's wind too right huh? man that was just a crazy night crazy night but the team was um we had some decent players of course i was the focal point once i got there and um, we went, I mean, we didn't lose many games. We didn't lose many games. The older team, which is the team underneath the kind of professional team, is who I played with. And we had a game, we had championship game, and we were in Casa, Casablanca. And, you know, Casa, they had the, the dome and stuff. So, sure. they had the yeah, yeah. so, so some of the uh, places had indoor facilities where we were able to play in. And, I mean, it was amazing. So and you can imagine that soccer crowd, that European soccer crowd just hanging over the rails. They got flags. There's, uh, they're into it as much as the players are. Man, it was crazy. We end up losing that game but I actually got MVP of the game um, for the way I played which is unusual not to name a Moroccan probably I'm, yeah. I'm guessing yeah so it was it was pretty cool I mean they gave us a medal but we continued to play on so we were traveling around kind of like a playoff format playing different teams um, traveling to the different cities so that was really um, a bonus to my trip was to be able to play and to travel and just see different parts of Morocco. And and I really fell in love with the country and I'm trying to get back, you know, take my wife to see it and different things like that. Um, take the kids over and just let them enjoy it. Um, I also played on the team underneath and we actually won our championship. With your brother, was it that no, team? No, so he was my brother's three years younger. Than okay, I. gotcha. So I played with the team that was my age group, but I was playing with my age group and the higher level team. So I got a double dose. I played a lot of games while while I was over there. Did it make you a better basketball player? Yes, absolutely. So we were headed to the final four, and I had to come back home mm. so I didn't finish the season well there. that's brutal but you know it is what it is yeah um, so it's just part of the journey you know and 
that's probably one championship that escaped me. <laughs> uh, you said water near Mohammedia. Was that the the Mediterranean or was that the Atlantic Ocean? I don't know where um, Mohammedia is. That, that was the um, Atlantic. Okay. Yeah, we actually took a trip where the Mediterranean and the Atlantic come together. Come together. So we took a trip and we stayed there for about a week just on the beach, kind of. Cool as can be, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was early on. But um, the relationships there, man, I still talk to a lot of the guys that were on the team. And they still say I was the best basketball player to come to Morocco. <laughs> you know, so I, I feel comfortable going back knowing that, you know, they still have that type of affinity towards me. And I, I won't feel out of place. That's great. Um, so coming back, I think everybody was happy. Coach Booker was happy. My mom was happy. Um, and like when my mom came, she just brought a suitcase full of all these recruitment letters. I'm just like, whoa, right? So people were keeping track of you in Morocco. Yeah. So they were already sending mail to the house hmm. because, you know, I had a great summer on the AAU circuit and, you know, finished out strong. So they just a ton of letters. She brought a whole suitcase over. So when I got back, I'm like, yeah, this is all right. I like this. So coming back, we were right into summer workouts. Um, we actually, so I was living, man, quite a ways from George with now, because now I'm in you know a different district. And I mean, some days we would walk, <laughs> you know, down Hall Street, Belt Boulevard. That's not a quick walk. With, not yeah. a quick walk at all. So of course we would have to leave early. Um, and coach would always kind of, you know, bring us home and my mom would pick us up. Or, you know, my teammates' mom would pick us up. So we would always find our way back home. But at that time, I think as kids, I mean, it was great. I mean, you can go out and you could walk and it wasn't a whole lot to worry about right. um, like it is nowadays. Um, but going into the season, uh, everybody felt really, really good. So actually before the season, I got back with my AAU club, so I'm playing with them. We go to Orlando, so this is the first time I'm playing with them since I've been gone. And the first game I come out, and I'm like, coach starts me. I'm like, whoa, okay. So I'm really hesitant to like do what I've been doing the last you know eight or nine months in Morocco. So like I've been just shooting the ball, taking over a game. So I'm like, I haven't played with them all year, so I don't want to do that. So I played really hesitant, and uh, Coach Rackley just, man, he just fires off on me like, like you need to play. And um, he didn't have to say it anymore. He didn't have to say it anymore. I had a phenomenal tournament. We were playing at, at Disney mm. and um, had some phenomenal games down there. Um, so coming into the season, I felt like I can be this player I've become. And um, we had some really – solid pieces around me um, we stuck together we hung out all summer we hung out during you know preseason guys would spend the night at my house you know we would eat together everything we'd go out together we did everything together so when we got on the basketball court it just made it you know it just made it work because we had that relationship and they allowed me to lead they allowed me to lead and you know we had a great year uh, 26 and two. That last game, going into that state game, I had the flu, 
for the whole week. Mm. So, didn't touch basketball at all. <laughs> no energy going into that game. Zero. Yeah. So I was kind of in and out of the game, um, trying to get fluids in me. I was in the locker room for a stretch. I was back out. And, um, man, we were three seconds away from going to the next round. Well, I feel like if we would have got to that next round, you know, we definitely would have won the state championship. Because you would have been healthy again. Absolutely. So I had guarded probably the, one of the most prolific scorers um, in the country that year, Val Brown. Um, he was averaging probably like 30-something-plus <laughs> points a game. He ended up going to George Washington. And, um, you know, I would say I shut him down. You know, he didn't get a third of what he normally gets. And I was sick. <laughs> so... Um, if that's a, the win I take from, but that game it it hurt. You came that down to the last second shot, man. It's about seventy feet away, and they made it. Oh my gosh, seventy feet away, um, and it's nothing you can and do that, about that's, it. That's the end of your high school basketball. <laughs> that's the end of my high school career. It's like wow, like this. So, you know, I know like they talk about mental health now, but before it wasn't something they talked about in the past. You know, and I really needed somebody to like, you know, really talk to about kind of that experience um, because it it hurt on a whole different level um, when you kind of just right there and it snatched away from you. Um, and I was like, kind of just ghosting through the rest of the school year, right. like, and it just didn't seem like anybody heard me, you know, kind of reaching out, and I kind of took that with me into my first year of school um, at Virginia State. So I ended up. Oh, you went I, to state first. So yeah, so like I told you before, I was being heavily recruited by a lot of Division One programs. Um, a lot of different coaches I spoke to uh, about sending the information, different things like that, that I never received. So this is kind of like a turning point in that moment where I needed help. And I ended up, my the head coach, Coach Booker, took the job at Virginia State. Ah. Uh. Okay, so once that, I guess, was in play for him, my recruiting hit a wall. So even the coaches that I was talking to that were sending information, I never received, right? I never received it, never received it. So my teammates was like, Luke, man, coach got a lot of letters in the office for you. You got this, that, and the third. And I go to the office, nothing. He would give me nothing. Because he wanted you at Virginia State. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would conclude. I mean, I think that's what we have to conclude. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and again, I didn't have, you know, my mom and dad weren't, like, involved in any type of recruiting process. Well, they, they didn't know anything either, I would have been either, the right? first one. I was, you know, the first child to be recruited to college to play sports. So, I mean, nobody knew. I didn't know. And that summer... So I signed, I committed to Virginia State, I've gone to Virginia State. All right, so that summer, 
uh, ran into one of the boosters from Division One school that had been coming to the school, sitting in the office with me and Coach and talking to us about coming to their school. So he saw me at a um, summer league game, just finished playing, comes up to me, hey, Jabber, where have you been at? He's like, um, I've been calling Coach. I've been sending letters, this, that, and the third. I said, I don't know anything about that. And that's kind of that moment I put two and two together. And I was already <laughs> not happy because we lost the way we lost. And that right there just kind of like the perfect storm. So I went to Virginia State that first year and I was just angry. You know, because I felt like the people I'm supposed to be able to trust the most, you know, didn't treat me fairly. You know, didn't give me the opportunity to make my own decision. Um, kind of backed me in a corner to make a decision only to benefit um, what they had planned. So I wasn't the greatest, mind you, I graduated with a 3.5 GPA all these academic awards. So I wasn't dumb by any means. You could have gone to any school in the country. I, I could have basketball. gone to any school. You know, I had the SAT scores. I had the GPA. Um, you know, I didn't meet the requirement. I beat the requirement right. to do those things. And I went to Virginia State uh, probably like two weeks in. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't even want to be here right now. Um, so I'm going through the season, um, not starting. I'm playing some meaningful minutes, but not the minutes I should play based on how I practice and how I'm, you know, contributing, not just based on who I am. And we're running coach's system. Who knows it better than me? I've been running it, you know, for the last three years. Like, give me the opportunity to do that. So we struggled. I struggled connecting with the guys. Um, I think they just saw me as coach's boy. Mm. Um, and that team was really, you know, really good guys, but they were on this seniority kick. It wasn't to me about like winning and leadership. And I always tell the kids I work with, it's really no age on leadership if you understand the mission and you know how to get it done. Like people should listen. And I just felt disconnected from the whole group. Um, and it was a struggle to the point where at the end of the first semester, I left and I went to stay with my mom in New Jersey. So after I graduated, they picked up, and they moved to New Jersey. So that's how- Your, your I, younger brother and- yeah, yeah. So it was just him and my sister and my mom and dad picked up, boom. New Jersey, so now I really don't have anybody that like I can you know reach out to um, immediately. Um, so I'm in New Jersey. I'm kind of just there. Um, my father's working in the city. Some days I go to the city. I work with them, but the mo for the most part, I'm just there. And coaches calling my moms, and you know come back to school, he's calling me, come back to school, and I'm like, ah. So I get to a point where I decide I'm, I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna finish out the year, and I come back, 
and it's kind of just more of the same. I do end up starting uh, a few games after I get back. And, you know, the culture is still the same. Uh, and the energy is still the same. So we get to the tournament, we're playing St. Aug, and I think we end up losing by like eight or ten points. But <laughs> before the game was over, <laughs> they had back the bus in. We were on the bus all the way back. So I think we left that morning or something like that, or the night before, and we were back to school. <laughs> <laughs> that next day before the sun went down. <laughs> we didn't even get to stay the night. That's a quick trip. <laughs> so I probably stayed at school for another couple of weeks before I just, you know, my uh, brother was here in Richmond and uh, my stepmom. So I just kind of got with my brother and we just kind of just started hanging out, moving around and stuff like that. And I did not go back to Virginia State. So, um, that summer, um, during summer league, I actually met the young lady that would become my wife. So she kind of like, you know, listen. I think she heard me. And you needed somebody to listen. Yeah, and she gave me exactly what I needed. Um, so the next time I got married. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, the next time after that I got married, and I believe. 2000, 2000, so this would be 21 years, so 2001, yeah. You're a young man. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, we plan and God makes plans, and I think his plans are better for us if only we knew. So I think the things that I went through um, were to be used later in life to help someone else. Um, so, you know, we got married. I was out of school two years. And at that time, that's when I was playing in those leagues. I was playing with Lionel and stuff mm, like that in different right. leagues. So we had, we kind of had our squad where we were moving around to different leagues, just beating people to death yeah. in championships. So that was super cool, super fun. Um, and then, um, you know, spending the summers at Union, they had a kind of a down year. The year before I came in, you know, not to standards. I would say I wouldn't say it was down. I would just say it wasn't up to standards. It wasn't a banner year, and um, so I came in. Banner year means something to you, <laughs> yeah. And Coach Robbins and I had a conversation, and I said, "Let's make it happen." So, but in between that, I had also talked to Hampton about coming out to Hampton, and that time they had a changeover in the coaching staff. And the assistant coach, Bobby Collins, had become the head coach. So I called Bobby. I said, hey, coach, what does your recruiting look like? I want to come down, get a workout, this, that, and the third. And um, I was telling him about, you know, the compliance rules. So at this time, I'm coming back to school. And I didn't have the grades to be eligible, but they have some some loopholes, I would say. You didn't have the grades because of your time at Virginia State. Right. Yeah. But because I had been out two years, I could use kind of like a restart to um, come in and play right away. He wasn't up on the rules. It was moving slow. I found my way back to Virginia. All right. So, and that was a completely different situation as far as the guys. Um, really felt welcome. They allowed me to leave 
um, even though I, you know, this is my first year with them. But a lot of the guys I played in summer league and pro-am with and stuff like that, and just playing with them in the summer, so they kind of knew what I could bring to the table. And it just worked. It just worked. Um, we fell short uh, in the CIAA championship game, one point. Mm. <laughs> one point, we were one rebound, one defensive rebound away from just closing the deal. Um, we played Bowie State. At that time, had a couple of D1 transfers and stuff like that. They were really, really good that year. And we're under a minute. They shoot, miss, get the rebound that we needed. Guy John Smith, he was a transfer from Virginia Tech. Hits a baseline jump shot. Game's over. We get a possession. We get a play. Coach actually draws a play up for me had somebody different taking the ball out because I was having a really, you know, good, solid game. So he calls the play for me. I mean, because if I'm not open, I'm going to make the right decision. And my guy doesn't get it in. Mm. Timeout. So I'm now taking the ball out. <laughs> so I throw the ball in to Wayne Wallace. Wayne is uh, Ben's nephew. Wayne's about 6'10", skinny, jumping jack. He catches it. Throw the shovel pass. Ball hits the guy in the chest. I mean, just misses it. We've run this play a million times. And, it, I mean, had he caught it, he had a wide open lane. They recovered the ball. We fouled. Ball game. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, disappointment. Um, the great thing was we were able to advance to the NCAA tournament. We got to the end, and actually Coach Robbins had to have triple bypass heart surgery. So he didn't go with us. Mm. And uh, Coach Coker took us down. Uh, we played at Columbus State, but we played Kennesaw State in the first round. So we're up at halftime 11 by 11, and we end up losing that game, you know, under 10. So that was that season. The next year, it's officially my team. You know, like, it was my team, but that year was officially my team. And Terry Davis came on. Well, he actually came on the year before, but, you know, he became more of an of a advocate for me. Like, you know, if anybody got something to say <laughs> to Luke, say it to me first, you know. And our relationship got stronger because the first time I played with Terry, you know, Terry's an NBA guy, you know, he's posting up. I throw a behind the back pass to him and he doesn't catch it. And he's just cursing me out. Why would you throw a behind the back pass? You know, and this is, you know, kind of the beginning of our relationship because he didn't know me and I didn't know Terry. And I was like, all right, dude, it's good. We all right, we good. So we end up kind of like winning the day out. You know, when you play in the open runs, we winning the day out. And um, so from there, you know, we just had real conversations um, about the game of basketball, the game of life. And, and Terry, you know, his son, Ed Davis, uh, is still in the league. I saw him sitting with – he thinks he's with Cleveland now. But um, – To make you feel old. 
kind of. Because Ed grew up in Barco Stevens Hall, you know, where he was old enough to play with us, you know. I mean, you know, all the big guys were trying to, you know, punish him and make it difficult for him. But I think that just helped him in the Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was a double-double machine in, uh, in high school. Um, and Terry will always, you know, reference him. It's like, you know, talking to one of the post players. You know, my son, Ed, he had, had 30 points, 20 rebounds, 12 blocks. <laughs> What's your excuse? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the season, sophomore season, well, junior season, was was pretty good. We had a pretty good year. I think we went – we only lost probably like four or five games, and we won the CIAA tournament. Um, at that time, those three years at Union, Bowie State was kind of our nemesis. Virginia State is always Union's rivalry, but Bowie is the nemesis. Um, and they always come with size, height, and grit. Always. They're going to beat you up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we had lost to them twice that year going into the tournament. And they got upset. We took care of business. So everybody's like, Virginia Union, boy, championship again. They get upset. And we play, I want to say, we play North Carolina Central. So North Carolina Central has a 6'10". 6'11". Our two starting, our, our four and five starters were 6'4 and 6'5". Yeah. And uh, our tallest guy, DeJuan Crockett, was 6'7", but he played on the wing 6'7", about 125. <laughs> <laughs> but he can give you 25 and 30 um, if you don't watch him. Right. And we played them in a really, it was a really good game. Um, they had a couple guys kind of get some looks at the NBA. It's kid David Young and kid Jonathan Moore, who was a transfer from um, East Carolina. So they were really good and had a nice shooter. Uh, kid's name was Curtis. I, it's not Staples. I can't remember his last name. But he sh- could shoot the lights off, out, out the gym. Um, so it was really, really good. We made a defensive stand probably those last three minutes to close out the win. And we played it in Raleigh, the home of Central. So the newspaper the next day looked more like an obituary than <laughs> a celebration of champions. Was it CIAA or the National? CIAA. Yeah, yeah. So we get to the National Tournament, and we are now at playing at Kennesaw. So the year before, we were at Columbus State playing Kennesaw. Now we're at Kennesaw playing Columbus State. And they came out running. I mean, we were probably down like 16 to 4. And all 16 were like fast break points. Pass, pass, layup, alley-oops. And I'm just screaming at my guys like, we got to get back. So I'm like on three on ones, five on, you know, five on three. I mean, they're just running, running, running. So we kind of settle, get back into our groove, start playing some really good basketball. I kind of took over the game a little bit, and we were rolling. So we got into the last 30 seconds, and we're up. They have the ball. 
They try to get a shot. Boom, boom, boom. Work the clock down. Ball ends up going out of bounds. Their ball. So they're taking the ball out. Probably like 16 seconds left. And we have some size on the ball to make them throw high. So the guy throws the ball in. And kid probably about 5'8", 5'9". He just goes up. And his arms just stretch. And he grabs the ball. Takes one bounce in the corner. And kind of like falls out of bounds. Shoots the three. Money. Mm. So we get to possession. We get it down. We call a timeout at half court. Um, Coach draws a play up for me. So, <laughs> again, we don't get it in. Timeout. Now I'm taking the ball out again. Right? So these are games where I really, really have it going. And you just know, like, when you have it going, if you get the opportunity, um, some good things can happen. So we end up getting a really, really tough shot and losing that game. So it's back-to-back years where it's just like – CIAA tournament, you lose, you get to the tournament, you feel like you're about to break through, you drop that game. And um, it was a tough one. It was a tough one because we, I think we played well enough to win. We just didn't make the play at the end. Yeah, so it was tough. And the kid that made that shot, he injured himself on that play oh, and man. didn't even play the next game. <laughs> and they would have needed him. They would have right. loved him. That. Right. Yeah. And he was one of the top players. And he, he injured himself making that play happen yeah so we get to the next year and it's like feeling pretty good feeling pretty good um we got we have everybody back Uh, Darius Hargrove uh Dewan Crockett Ralph Brown Antoine Walton we had Arthur Kidd who was a sharpshooter um Arthur will come in cold and give you three straight threes I mean just like that but this kid would show up at Barco at 5 o'clock in the morning with a gallon of water, and we get 500 shots in. It works. Every day. And um, he had started the year before. The next year he didn't start. But he played significant minutes for us. Um, we had a, we, I mean, we started off on fire, uh, ended up rising to number one in the country, got to Winston-Salem. We had a bad game after the break so that was our first loss and then um, you know we picked it back up won a few more in a row ran into Bowie we lost we lost to Bowie twice that year and we lost to North Carolina Central so when we got to the tournament it was still you know everybody's like Union Bowie Bowie gets upset again Mm. so we end up playing Fayetteville State in the championship and you know, we we just beat them pretty good, you know, from start to finish. Um, I don't think with the mentality we had that we felt threatened. We just knew that if we came out, played hard, and did what we were supposed to do, it was a 15, 20-point game. Um, and that's just the confidence we went in with. So we get back to the tournament. We're in the regionals, and Bowie State is hosting. So um, you've got to go through them. We will have to go through them if we want to get to the national championship. Mm. So the first game we come out, we're playing Catawba. Catawba comes out running. We come out flat. So they're up 22-2. to two. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's 15 minutes. Only five minutes gone. They're up 22-2. to two. Coach Robinson takes a timeout, and he's just, he's just laying it on us. Um, so we respond out of the timeout. 
I think I get a couple steals kind of like right away, like back-to-back steals, back-to-back layups. Crockett hits a three. You know, a lot of things start to go well for us, and we go into halftime only down three. And then the second half, we just come out and we just play union basketball. And, you know, we take care of business. Um, The second game, we come out, we play USC Aiken. And that was probably the most complete start-to-finish game we played. And Bowie's winning on their side as well. So we have Bowie State in the regional championship to go to the NCAA tournament. All right, so this is my last year. Uh, Right now, they own the record against me. This is the nemesis. The thorn in the side, and when we get there, I mean, it's 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 a playoff atmosphere. Oh, I bet you have the lines. People just lined up outside of the gym, standing room only. Bowie State has their band that's just always rocking, um, and you have these uh, charter buses, and it's like whoa. So Bowie State's players are in the crowd. They're just like chilling like yeah we got this one in the back and you're like wow that's mm, all right cool so we come out and we start the game off two zero two free throws because at that time they didn't allow dunking in warm-ups so they're dunking in warm-ups so i get the first two points of the game and we're just from that point we're rolling so we're up we're, we're handily you know, between 15 and 17 points the whole half. Um, we come out of halftime to officiate. Officiating makes it a little bit tighter down the stretch, um, but we end up winning by six or seven points. And it felt really good to cut down the nets at Bowie State. At their court, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we had an opportunity. Uh, we took advantage of it. Uh, we didn't take it lightly. Uh, and that's you know something I teach my kids. Sometimes I have a high schooler with a middle middle schooler. I said, "Don't take it easy on him," because he's going to talk about it. Yeah. You know, and you can't look at your opponent and say, "Ah, I got this." You have to do the work. So we were excited. We got a trip, a free trip to North Dakota. <laughs> How many teams go to North Dakota? Eight. Okay. So we're at the Elite Eight and. We're at their little conference with all the teams and have the different coaches come up and talk, and everybody's praising Coach Robbins. Coach Robbins is a great coach, this, that, and the third. And, you know, but we know they want to beat us. We know they want to beat us. So we come out. And, Coach, we never watch film on the other teams. That's unusual. We only watch film to see what we could do better. Hmm. But this particular team, Metro State, had just went like 21 for 25 from the three-point line in their regional championship game. It's hard to be a team that does that. (laughs) Yeah, so we definitely watched that film. Um, But we came out, we stuck to the game plan. We pretty much just ran them off the three-point line. Um, My job is to make it tough on the point guard to get into his sets and where he wants to go. So everybody did their job, and I think it was like a 15-point walk-away game. Um, and then the second game we played Lynn University out of Florida and they were a really good team their point guard was I, I really you know enjoyed watching him play um, but he had some telltales that I kind of picked up watching them and I was able to kind of exploit that in the second game so that was probably my best game um, of the tournament I think I had like 19 points six steals 
you know, another four or five assists. And one of the plays, you know, when they get 10 seconds on the shot clock, he does head tap because he wants screen. So I'm telling my teammate, Ralph, which is also my roommate, um, tomorrow night, I got it. Just watch it. So he goes, head tap. I'm looking at the shot clock on the other end at our basket, and I can feel the big guy coming up to set the screen. And I just dart. I take the ball the other way and lay it up. I'm like, yes. So we, we end up beating them by about 15 points as well. And then coming to the championship game, we had a day between to do like community service and stuff like that. So we went to, we did like a little mini basketball clinic. Uh, we visited some elementary schools and stuff like that. And the night going into the championship game was, well, couldn't sleep. Of course not. And it was an early game. So I think the game was at like two o'clock, something like that. But it was an early game, so it's like, whew. So everybody comes in and you jacked up, but at the same time, <laughs> you didn't sleep last night. So um, both teams came out flat, you know, trying to find their way. So it was pretty even going into halftime. Who were you playing? Uh, Bryant University out of Massachusetts. And, um, so it was a good game. The point guard was averaging probably like 26 a game. Mm. Coming into the Elite Eight, and the two games he played, he probably had had his average. So, you know, I knew going into that game that that was my focus. Run the team, shut him down. So he probably ended up with like six, eight points for the game. So I you caused did, You did your job. <laughs> I caused a lot of stress on his part. <laughs> um, and I just active. I wasn't even really looking to score. I just really wanted to disrupt their offense. And, you know, I had Darius Hargrove on one side. I had DeJuan Crockett on the other side. Antoine Walton, who was the um, tournament MVP, he had 19 and, like, 13. And I think out of the 13 rebounds, 12 was, were offensive, you know, like, you know, he really put us on his back as far as second-chance opportunities and putting the ball in the basket. And he had a nice three-point play to give us the lead in the last uh, minute and a half of the game. Um, Darius, who was the following year, was the D2 player of the year, didn't have a great game. But Arthur Kidd came in and hit some big threes, some really big threes. And, you know, he was a starter the year before, so we knew what we can get out of him. And um, it's just like he comes in, and I was like, Arthur, I got your number. So I call his number right away. You know, we don't wait for a trip up and down. Like, we get him right into it, and he came through uh, through for us. So they had a kid that wasn't on a scout report, of course. It's always those kids that come out, and he's just lighting it up. <laughs> like, who is this guy? I mean, he's hit threes after threes after threes. I think he finished with like 20-something points. And we had the lead. They had the last, they had a possession. And they were working the ball around trying to get this kid another look. So we're running them off the three-point line. So another kid shoots it, hits hard, bounces long. So I'm going at the rebound. And Ralph is going at the rebound. So I feel like I have it. But you know, all big men, 
is mine. So he comes in, he knocks me off the ball. They end up getting the ball and the tie up and, and the timeout. So they make a couple of substitutions. We stay out on the court. So, you know, so everything that's happened in the past is now resurfacing. I'm and I'm in my mind, I'm like, I have to make a play. They cannot get a shot off. I've seen too many shots in the last, you know, twelve to fifteen seconds that went the other way. So the guy comes in, he's like six eight. I guess he was supposed to be a additional shooter, but he catches it in the corner, he holds it over his head, doesn't look like he wants to shoot it. He pumps it. I fake. He throws it. I jump up. I snatch it out the air. Go to the ground. They foul me. I'm going to the free throw line. So at this time, I'm like number four in the country in steals, and I'm number one in the country in free throw shooting. So I'm shooting 90%. Mm. So I'm going to the free throw line. We're up. We're up three. Uh, the first one kind of rattles in. Second one is just celebration and I mean going to the free throw line for me was phenomenal because my teammates were already celebrating the win were you nervous at all not at all why is that you just shot so many free throws I've shot so many free throws I I was injured one point during the year and we were practicing at VCU and I think I went from 98 for 100 (laughs) but I hit 92 straight I could I couldn't hit ninety eight out of two fifty. <laughs> like I hit ninety two straight before I missed um, while they were practicing. So I didn't feel I mean it was at that point like any nerves is going to fall back to what you've been working on. Yeah. So I just felt that first one went in. It was like yes, it's out of reach. That second one I don't touch the bottom of the net. So um, and that was man, that was that was great because that was the goal. And you guys are brothers for life, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We still talk. Um, great relationships. A number of us, you know, went on to play, you know, professionally um, overseas in the States, you know, wherever they could get paid to play. So. Did the NBA look at you? Uh, yeah, actually, I didn't get any workouts, but I had some looks. Um, so I, I participated in the PITs, uh, which is kind of like, the second tier of top college players, I guess, nowadays. But before, you know, the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament, all the top college players went there and participated in it, and all the NBA executives and overseas. Like, I mean, it's a show. It's a show. So I think for me, just having the right agency represent me um, kind of was, you know, the misstep. You know, I, I went to, with somebody brand new who really didn't have relationships, kind of. They matter. In the industry. Yeah, they yeah, matter. So it matters. So, you know, but again, it's my journey. You know, the decisions I make, you know, put me in position for things later on in life. So. All right, I got three more things for you. Uh, let's real quickly talk about what it was like being in Saudi Arabia. Okay, so in Saudi Arabia, it was kind of like a lifelong dream that came true. So in sixth grade, I wrote a letter. Uh, in PE class and I told my teacher that I wanted to go to Saudi Arabia to make pilgrimage and to live for a little while and from that point on she always every time she saw me she said I'm still waiting to win the lottery to send you to Saudi Arabia Um, so I had the opportunity to go to Saudi Arabia for free 
and nobody had to pay for it, and I got paid to go. And they were paying you to play yep. basketball. Yep. So I was actually uh, playing for the team in Mecca. So. Um, so that's where the pilgrimage starts, right? That's where that's where it all starts. So the Kaaba, which is uh, the centerpiece, is I probably stayed two blocks from it, so I can get up, walk down there, and be in peace, you know, and pray and relax, you know, every single day. Yeah. So it was really, really nice. I like Saudi Arabia. Um, Mecca itself is more, it's still traditional, um, but outside of Mecca, like Jeddah and Riyadh, which is the capital, I mean, it's super Western, so it's like Applebee's and Fridays and McDonald's. And it's, cra- it's crazy to think about I mean, it's yeah. Olive Garden. Uh, so I didn't have to worry about what I was eating because I don't eat pork. So everything was kind of, you know, I can get anything I wanted. So it was nice. Um, the team I played for hadn't been a winning team. Um, the first year, we were one game from going to kind of like the Big Eight playoff series. Um, and then when I came back the next year, we made it into the playoffs. And we were one game from going to the Final Four. And <clears throat> Mahmoud Abdurraouf was playing for one of the teams out there. If you remember Chris Jackson. Oh, yeah. LSU. Played at LSU with Shaq, right? Yeah. So he was on a team out there. So I had an opportunity to spend some time talking to him about, you know, kind of his journey and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. 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 He was awesome. He was. And he could still shoot it. Because <laughs> he's, he's what? Gotta be fifty now. Yeah. Yeah. Say he's up there. Yeah. He's still doing some things in the big three. Wow. Yeah. So. It's pretty cool. All right, this is going to be a completely uh, different, weird kind of question for you, but we tend to ask this at the end. You're now the host of your own talk show. You get to invite a male guest, a female guest, a musical group, and if you like comedy, a comedian. <sighs> <laughs> All right. They can be dead. They, they can be dead. They can be people you know personally. They can be famous. Mm-hmm. They can be historical figures. Whatever you want it to be. Yeah. So, I would definitely like to have Grant Hill on the show. Grant Hill was was my guy growing up. I just loved the way he played the game. I was a Duke fan. Um, he played both sides of the ball. He played smart. Um, when he didn't have it going, you wouldn't know because of the energy he kept on the court. So that was that would be my guy to have. And I actually had the chance to meet him once. He's a really um, smart, thoughtful guy, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my grandfather, who passed, um, I would definitely have him on the show. So my grandfather was um, – he was a community activist – um, in the Newark area in New Jersey. He's probably mostly famous for doing the burial for Malcolm X. Mm. So when Malcolm X passed, he was kind of an untouchable person for anybody to step in and do anything like that. And during that moment, you know, he received like death threats and different things like that. Um, those, were, those were crazy times back then. And, um, so he was actually preparing to bury Malcolm and also preparing for his own uh, uh, funeral, you would say, because of, you know, the heat that was around it. So I would love, you know, for him to tell that story. So he, he, he wrote a book about it, but just 
you know, as a young kid sitting in his company and hearing him tell stories, it's just, you know, it's just different, a different feeling um, around that. So my grandfather, Hisham Jabber. Um, it's good guess. What about your female guest? Ooh, female guest. So right now, I would say Taja Cole. So Taja Cole is one of the first individuals that I trained. Uh, she's a Elsie Bird graduate, McDonald's All-American, Jordan Brand All-American. And she has currently um, signed a contract to uh, the Connecticut Suns for a training camp. And hopefully she'll, you know, um, achieve her dream of actually, you know, playing in the WNBA. So her story is very unique and phenomenal. And some of the things she went through to get to where she is is um, I think it's worthy of hearing. And she grew up here with the mm-hmm. Elsie Bird. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's cool. She's playing with in the AU Sports, uh, AU Hoops. Um, so it's a women's kind of like four-team league where they're trying to get more exposure to WNBA and high-profile overseas jobs. So I think a weekend she got an invite um, to sign a contract with the Connecticut Suns, among other teams, but. That's cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, and we started in the driveway. (laughs) We started in the driveway. That's cool. That's awesome. Uh, What about your musical group? I would say. This is meant to be revealing. I know. I know. Um, Musical group. So I was a a big um, Fat Boys fan. So when I was probably about six or seven, I found a tape just tossed in the woods and it was the fat boys and I would play it <laughs> until it popped. But I would say the Wu-Tang Clan. Alright. You're not the first one to say that. And I say that um, I watched their series uh, on Hulu I think and it was just very revealing um, the confrontations that they all had with each other and how they made it work. You know what I mean? I think that's a valuable lesson that you know that they don't really, they kind of just cope over it. They don't really go deep into how they made it work. So I think in the society we live in, when people are always at each other, like how do you get past it to become successful? Um, so they figured it out. They figured it out. All very creative people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All all proud of their own creativities. But right. They right. figure out how to come together and make Absolutely. it happen. Absolutely. Are you a fan of comedy? Yes. Right. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite comedian? <laughs> Oh, man. Or who would you have on your show, I should say? I would have Dave Chappelle on my show. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's one of the he's probably the smartest comedian that's ever lived. Yes, he's very very clever um, in how he delivers his material. So I would definitely have Dave Chappelle. His on timing show. is fantastic. <laughs> his material is, is off the chart. Oh my goodness! Cool. All right, let's end with uh, talking about your family, your wife, and your kids. Oh man! So 2022 July. 21 years uh, with my wife. Um, we have five children. Uh, my oldest daughter, Ty Andrea. Well, my wife's name is Dolores, first of all. Uh, our oldest is Ty Andrea, and she's into music and theater. So she's been in a lot of productions here in Richmond. Um, she goes to school at Sarah Lawrence College in New York, and she just hosted her own cabaret show mm. in New York. Um, which she did a phenomenal job with. Not saying that just because I'm dad. 
But um, but you got to check it out. Oh yeah, so we went up for that. Yeah, that's so great. It was it's very very nice event. Um, my son, my oldest son, Mikael. Uh, Mikael is at the Apprentice School um, in Newport News, so he's playing basketball there, and, and he's in the moldering pro- program, so he's learning to trade and gets to play, although he's not playing as much as I think he should and as he thinks he should, but this is part of his journey, and you know he has to keep doing the work if he wants to see the results he wants to receive. Um, and then Yasmin... Yasmin is a young writer. Uh, she's at Bennington College in Vermont. Uh, she published uh, a children's book when she was 14. Mm. So right before she went into high school, she was in a program with Richmond Young Writers. And she actually wrote a children's book. So. That's really cool. But she does poetry, spoken word. She's writing her little memoir now. Um, I mean... All the kids are talented in their own way. And um, and then I have a middle schooler, Amira. Amira's very involved in coding um, through the different languages and different things like that. So really excited to see what her future holds. And then Ijaz is my baby boy. Um, he's 10 and he's basketball and he's video games. And out of all of them, he's just kitty. Like, he's super kid at 10. I don't know if any of them were like him as far as his energy. Um, he's very vibrant. If you meet him, like, you guys hit it off because he'll have you laughing right away. Is he going to be your basketball player or is he going to be the next Dave Chappelle? <laughs> I don't know because he's also um, learning to play the piano. My oldest daughter is teaching him, so he does private lessons with his sister, and he also does voice. Um, so he'll be multi-talented. He can go in a lot of directions. <laughs> so I won't push him any direction, just whichever direction he needs help in. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Lukeman, thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight. I really do appreciate you coming out. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I appreciate the invite. This is great. I had a great time. Yeah, I did yeah. too. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.